You're listening to the PCAST, presented by CDE Lightband. Each week we take your own Austin the Athletics Department, and occasionally the OVC thanks to our good friends at CDE. Thank you to our friends at CDE, and thank you, our listeners. I am Colby Wilson. He is Casey Krieger. Welcome to the nation's top-ranked Austin podcast that's thinking about getting out and getting a little bit of vitamin D this afternoon on this glorious day. Casey, how are you now? Good, and you? Not so bad. Um, it's nice. It's nice today. It's nice today. It's, it's, quarantine is almost, quarantine is almost tolerable when you can go outside and feel the sunshine on your face. I'm not going to. Well, I know you're not going to because you're back in your, your little cave, the, the, the Krigerimi cave. <laughs> I don't know. Do, you, do y'all have a nickname for your casa? No. No, we don't. Feels like something you two should have. We had a nickname at the, we had we had a nickname at our house last year, but we don't have a nickname for the apartment here. Well, you know, Rim Dog comes back. That's something you guys should really sit down and think about. Yeah, we'll we'll work on it. That'll be the number one priority. Thank goodness. Thank goodness it'll be the number one priority. My number one priority currently is um, less to do with Austin P and much to do with Ariel America. Ariel America is <laughs> It is a dumb, dumb... I'm old. I suddenly realized in the midst of quarantine that I'm old. I'm elderly. Yeah, we know. Because there's nothing that I've enjoyed more at the end of quarantine day, or even during work, than to pop on back episodes of Aerial America, which is really just drone footage over different states, with some guy explaining landmarks that I don't care about. And it is calm and soothing, and just kind of... What's been the best state so far? Probably California, the the southwest coast, I guess, of California, from because it they did they did in a very extended uh, shot over Pebble Beach, like all the way around it. It was pretty cool. I was gonna say, I think like a Yellowstone one would be cool. Haven't seen that one yet. Really looking forward to it. That's I feel like there's got to be one. That's the words I'm saying now. Haven't seen the Yellowstone Aerial America yet. Really looking forward to it. I'm 49 years old all of a sudden. I I do like Yellowstone documentaries. Um, there's got to be some other cool national park ones. The Grand, I imagine a Grand Canyon one would be pretty cool. They did that one. Um, I saw that one. I want to say they did an Arizona one. The Grand Canyon shots were pretty good. They could have just done 30 minutes on that, but instead they went to... Tucson and Tempe and all the other places too. Badlands would be a cool one too. I've actually been to the Badlands, so the aerial shots aren't going to do it justice. We went to we didn't go to the Badlands. We went to Mount Rushmore. We were up in the Black Hills. We were up there on vacation. But did not venture that far. Black Hills are pretty good too. Really enjoyed that. Yeah, that, would, that would be. You could just do Aerial America for national parks. I feel like. I hope they've done that. I'm I'm just getting into it. There's like ten seasons of this. I want to I want to really get into the back catalog. Maybe I'll fire one up here when I start doing some homework after the podcast. It is absolute perfect. I don't care what's on. I just need some noise to get away from my thoughts. Background. What, what should I? What do I watch this on? Netflix, Hulu, Hulu, Hulu. Okay, I do have Hulu. That's good news. Let's talk about uh, the things that we come here to talk about now. Starting with what's usually the coda to our year, and that was commencement that occurred last week. Sort of, kind of, mostly. 77 of our Austin student-athletes did have degrees conferred 
during this. A that's a lot. That's a lot of people who weathered this bizarre end of year storm, got their grades where they needed to be, and finished. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot of people who did a lot of good things at Austin P over the course of their time. Thirty-seven regular season and tournament championships graduated this time. A lot for football, a lot for tennis, track, volleyball. It is. It was the every class leaves its mark in some way, shape, or form. This class left a really, really, really big mark, and with the way COVID-19 wiped out the senior campaigns for a lot of these people, there's a pretty good chance we're going to see a few of them again, getting not only their masters at Austin P, but also getting that one last chance to represent the governors at the OVC stage. Throw, on, throw up another ring. Hopefully throw up a few more rings. That would be awesome. It would be fun. It would be fun. Also around Austin P last week, we, Got to meet the new Student Athlete Advisory Committee executive team for 2021, and it's a lot of a lot of familiar faces. Beginning with our good friend Myla Floor. Myla Floor will be your SAC president, Madam President. Madam President Myla Floor. In fact, I go down through here, and it's four of the five secretary, VP, president, and co-treasurer have been guests on this podcast. Kelsey Gross, Riley Cooper, Maya, and Gorel Samari. So we got to get Stone Norris on here at some point to really round this thing out. Yeah, someone's got to nominate Stone Norris from the cross-country team. Yep. And then we can get down to Molly Howard, Garrett Spain, Kellen Canole. Dan- oh, Daniel Morse has already been already on. had Danny. And then Jackie. We haven't had Gino yet. I thought we had had Gino. I don't think so, but I've got a, I've usually got a pretty good knowledge of uh who's been on this and who hasn't two members of the sag executive team for next year already graduated this year in kelsey and Gorell. so a a big time leadership group coming back to lead us into 2021 hey they're gonna have the dh in the national league this year hopefully what do you mean hopefully i guess that nothing's been approved yet because they can't get it's kind of like a it's some add-on to the to the, to the agreement. I guess it's not approved yet, but it sure would be great. Great for who? Um, the Reds. Not. It would be great for the Reds. I'm trying to think. There's a couple of NL teams that would, because you have to think most NL teams aren't built to have just that ninth hitter that can just be an everyday hitter in the lineup. I'd say the Dodgers are probably all right. Um, the Reds already had a four out, four or five outfielder problem. That's not a problem anymore trying to think i feel like the cubs are gonna be fine because they're just gonna put schwarber there the mets will just put cespedes there there's a couple nl teams that it helps and then you get to some of the other nl teams who aren't built to hit and what what are you looking at me like that for i can't believe you're pro dh i never had been and then the reds have four good outfielders and a possible fifth good outfielder it's like well we need to get more bats in the lineup I have always had the contrarian take that I don't really mind the split. I don't mind it being different than the AL and NL. I think the two leagues being unique and having that thing that sets them apart is fun. It makes for great arguments. I I prefer it that way. No, yeah, I also like that awesome. too, and totally would help the Reds to have a designated hitter. 
It's also awesome when things like Bartolo Colon hitting a home run happens. If it's a universal DH, we'll never get that moment again. I understand that, and I, for that reason, don't like the DH, but my only reasoning here is to help the Cincinnati Reds win baseball games right now. So selfish. So selfish, Casey. Yeah, I'm just the worst. The worst. The absolute worst. Let's talk to somebody who's not selfish. Let's talk to Jack Rushworth of the women's soccer program. You see how I did that, kids? It's called a segue. We'll talk to Rushy right after this. Jack Rushworth continues our theme of graduate assistance on the pod, and it's good to get an idea of what the next generation of coaches are thinking and learning in the infancy of their careers. Rushy's no different. We're going to decide the governor's soccer coaches the last couple of seasons as he breaks into the ranks. Jack, how are you doing? I'm well, thanks. How are you? I am as good as I'm likely to be given all this. What first enticed you to come to America for school? So... It started a while ago. My dad actually studied in America for a year. He did his senior year of high school in Colorado in 1975, I think, 75, 76. And he loved it. And he always spoke highly of it. So from a young age, I always wanted to come to the States at some point. I just didn't really know how I'd make that a possibility. So after wanting to come to the States and studying like at home, high school, I did my A-levels at college at home. Um, I didn't really want to do the conventional university route. I applied and went through it, but my heart wasn't in it. And then someone brought up the fact that I could come to America on a soccer scholarship and play in America. So that's really how it all started. And that's what, that's what pulled me out here. So I could just continue to play soccer and continue my education and do something a little bit different as well. That's a big part of it when coming across the pond is the opportunity to do both because at home you just don't get that chance. You you either decide to pursue soccer or you decide to pursue academics. Yeah, yeah, it's it's very challenging to do both. Um, I know when people sign their, their like apprentice schemes, their youth team scholarships at home, that's where they play for a professional club between the ages of 16 and 18. Um, they will do that and that'll take them down one route but that won't necessarily take them down the academic route where they can go to university and everything as well. So yeah, like you say, it was a good way of combining the two. What kept you in America as part of your coaching career? Uh, well, a big person for me was, was head coach Austin P, Naomi Kolarova. Um, she was the head coach for the women's program uh, at Tennessee Wesleyan, where I went to college and played for four years. And during my senior year, she gave me the opportunity to have some experience coaching the goalkeepers on her program. Um, and the girls were fantastic. They ended up having a great year. I think they got to the Elite Eight of the national tournament. And then ultimately, that's what got her the job here. And then she brought me along with her as the graduate assistant and gave me that opportunity. So she really was the one that, that allowed me to, to plant my roots here in America as a coach and give me experience off the bat where I could come here and kind of pick up the graduate assistantship. Was there any kind of learning curve to the 
cultural adjustments when you first came over? That not as a coach, because I'd already been here three, four years, but as a player, it was everything was so different. Like everywhere you looked, the the street signs were different, the people were different. I didn't know the area. I didn't really know all the things you take for granted about where you live. I just didn't know. So it, it was culture shock initially, because my mind was all on all all on the football, all on the soccer, and I didn't want to do anything else. But then you can only train a couple of hours a day. And that then led to the, you know, a little bit of homesickness, a little bit of culture shock, but quickly settled in. And, and after, after a few weeks, I absolutely loved it. And then the sun, obviously, the sun comes out and you don't want to leave. <laughs> the role of the graduate assistant in women's soccer, this has been a theme over the last couple of weeks because it seems like everything, your, your experience with women's soccer is different than freezes with men's basketball or Fallon's with women's basketball and everybody's got kind of their, their own niche that they take and make their own. Yeah. Yeah, we do. So for me, um, I like to be outside. I like to get stuck in. Um, the, the generic graduate assistant role, it demands that you assist with some of the paperwork and you assist with some of the sessions. Um, but a big thing for me, I did a lot of field maintenance. I did a lot of mowing the field, lining the field. Um, and thoroughly enjoyed that. And then once it came to the actual sessions, as a graduate assistant, Coach Naomi was great for me because she allowed me to really get stuck in. Um, she always wanted my opinion. She always let me help out. She let me assist. Um, and she let me run some things, which was, which was a really good opportunity as a, as a young coach. And it's something that a lot of graduate assistants don't get. They're often left on the sidelines. So, uh, yeah, it was very hands-on and, and loved it. You're still a young guy. Does your youth help you relate to your players a little bit? It does. Yeah, it does. Um, it's, a, it's a two-way street. So first of all, the, the, the ladies on the program are fantastic in, in just welcoming me in and, and letting me feel like part of the family. So they, they accepted me um, first and foremost, which was, which was nice of them. But uh, yeah, it was, yeah, I think it does help because I've been through it. Um, and very recently been through it. So my mind is fresh in all the stresses um, and all the little little things that come up as a student athlete. Um, I felt very, very aware of all that. And it also allowed me to assist the, the coaches as well because I could view things from the player's perspective a little bit more. Do you also still have that appreciation for what they're going through as student athletes because you yourself are also still pursuing your education? Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. We have, we have classes, evening classes, 6 to 9 p.m. So, you know, we're, we're often the last ones out of last ones out of Austin P. Athletics. So we, we fully understand what they're going through with, with balancing the student and the, the athlete life. What is the biggest misconception about soccer as a sport? Um, it's a good question. Um, I think a big one for me uh, is the diving in the game where, where people will flop and they'll, they'll, they'll go into the box and fall over. Um, people think that's a big part of the game and, and, and it's really not. You see it at the top and it gets a lot of coverage at the top as a, as a negative because people are trying to highlight the bad parts of the game. But if you play the sport at, at any other level, um, it, it's really a tough sport and, and you'll get stuck in. Um, and I think if anyone was to play the game at our level, at the college level or whatever, you'll see there's, there's, there's not much diving. There's, I've never really seen a person in a game that I've played in just flop and fall over. Um, so I think that's a big misconception. And 
it's a much it's a much tougher game than, than it appears from a distance. What do you think keeps Americans from truly embracing that sport the way we've embraced basketball or football? Um, that's another good question. I do think it's embraced. I think it's very well embraced. And, and if you see the the partition, the particip- participation rate of all the youths and everyone, it, it really is up there. I think um, soccer is one of the top three most participated in sports. Uh, and football, American football, is not in that top three. Uh, which for me, that was quite interesting. That's something I did some research on uh, during my master's degree. So I do truly believe it's been embraced. Um, I think the only thing is men's soccer will be compared to other successful men's sports like football and basketball who will get thousands at the game. So I think men's soccer, it, it possibly will struggle to to, uh, to kind of compete with that side of things with regards to uh, numbers watching the collegiate game. But if you look at the professional ranks, there's an MLS team in Nashville now, um, and they're, they're filling the football stadium. So it's at the professional level, the men's game's looking good. The collegiate level, it's still good. It's not quite where football and basketball is yet. Uh, but then if you look at the women's side, I think the women's game is very successful. I think we get some of the, some of the top athletes. Uh, I really do. Uh, and it has been for years. Like the national team won the 99 World Cup. So ever since then, the, the country has really been, been really involved in like soccer fever. And it, it's been, soccer's just been a massive sport here, women's soccer especially. Um, and, and that's still the case through college. If you look at the top women's sports, I think women's basketball, women's softball and women's soccer are the three collegiate sports that are really, they're all up there together and they're all competing with each other. So it's... Uh, it's, I think there might be a slight misconception, but all in all, I think it's, it's very good here now and it's really grown. It's taken steps in the right direction. Um, and, and I wouldn't even say that now we are taking steps in the right direction. I think we've arrived. I think the sport has arrived in America and coverage like ESPN Plus is really helping to enhance the image of soccer on both the men's and women's side. Is it odd for you to see our national teams and where they're perceived here at home, where the men's team is sort of, at least in recent times, kind of a bit of a disappointment. But we all rally around the women's team whenever the World Cup comes around or whenever they come and play a friendly in Nashville. Is it odd to see that it's really the women's game that's building the men's game in a lot of ways stateside? Yeah, it's, I'd say it, it's a healthy change, to be honest. It's good to see like young, successful ladies driving the way and, and forging a path for, for other athletes. So it's, I wouldn't say it was odd. I think, it, I think it's great. Um, I also think that the, for the women, representing their country is the pinnacle. It's the, it's the peak and it's what their whole career works towards, which, is, which brings the pride, it brings the attention, it brings the success. The men's side is probably not like that. I think they, they want to make a career out of it in, in the league. They might want to go to the English Premier League. They might want to go play over in Europe if they can't play here in the MLS. Um, so so I, I do think that, that there's a difference there. I think for the women, that the national team is number one, and that's what it's all about. And I love it. I think it's great. I think it's great for the women's game. Uh, and I think it's great for the sport. Like I say, I think it's a healthy change. Really good to see. What about the pay thing? Because I know that's been a big topic lately that the equalized pay was struck down, I believe, last week. And I just, 
you're a soccer person, maybe you can explain it to me better, but I just didn't understand it. Yeah, so it's, it's a good question. Um, I, I'd have to delve into the figures again. Uh, again, I have done a project on, on equal pay. Um, I do think females need to be paid more, 100%. Um, w- without wanting to say the wrong thing, I couldn't say if that was the right or wrong decision. Um, but certainly, female athletes do not get compensated in the same way as their male counterparts. Regardless of how much money they're bringing in, the percentage that the females take from their overall profit compared to what the males take, it's inferior. So, so I, I do believe that, in general, female athletes at the professional level need more opportunity and need to be paid more. Now, with regard to the women's national team, I, like I say, I don't have the figures in front of me to, to back up an argument on either side. I think they're taking great steps in the right direction, and I think they're fighting a good cause, um, and they can be proud of themselves for that. Do you... And this is, we've gotten way off the script, but I'm I'm enjoying your take on this, and I kind of want to follow it through to the logical endpoint, which is, did you have an appreciation for the struggles that women's, that female athletes have to go through before you started coaching? Um, I, I didn't give it much thought uh, with, with regard to the equality side. Now, what I did get when I was in England, when I was, I think I was about 17, 18, just before I came out to the States, I got the opportunity to coach with Doncaster Bells, who are a professional team in England, in the English Women's Super League. And that really opened my eyes to women's sport and particularly women's soccer, women's football over there, and how good it was and how professional it was and how hard they work and how talented they are. And that, that opened my eyes to the sport in general. And then having taken a coaching role at, at the college level, where I can compare and contrast the women's game to the men's game, I can kind of get both sides of it. I do, I, I do think that that has opened my eyes to it and, and the differences um, and the, the differences in opportunities as well. I once asked Renee Simon this question. I'll ask you too. When's it fine to take a yellow card? Uh, I think if it's an honest tackle, any time. I'm all for a big tackle and getting stuck in. But otherwise, I think the only time it's okay is when it's a tactical decision. So let's say your team's 1-0 up and there's one minute left and the other team breaks towards your goal. I, I don't think there's anything wrong with with fouling someone deliberately. As long as you're not trying to hurt them, as long as you're not jeopardising their career and their health, I, I think uh, tactical fouls... Uh, fine. I think it, it, uh, it shows you know the game. It shows soccer intelligence. So if uh, I think if it's an honest tackle, you can take a yellow. And I think if it's a tactical foul, you can take a yellow. Rashi, what is your favorite word? Favorite word? Positive. What is your least favorite word? Negative. Who or what inspires you? Professional athletes and professional coaches. What's the last book you read for fun? <laughs> it was a book called... Coaching women's soccer. <laughs> <laughs> like a book that tells you what it's all about right up front, I guess. What is your worst habit? Apparently I whistle all the time. <laughs> it gets annoying. Is that something that you found out during quarantine? <laughs> this is something I found out during quarantine, yeah. The whistling. What app on your phone gets the most use? I don't really use my phone, to be honest. Probably Messenger, so I can call my mom at home. What is the most terrifying situation you've ever found yourself in? Oh, good question. I don't know. I've seen a couple of health scares. 
and that's got to me a little bit. What is your idea of happiness? Happiness, it is. I don't think you can quantify it. I think happiness means surrounding yourself with things and people that you love. What is your idea of misery? Not having things around you that are that you love and that you're passionate about. What makes you self-conscious? My big forehead. <laughs> <laughs> well, now I can't stop looking at it. Uh, what is the most embarrassing song you love? I don't mind a bit of One Direction or a bit of 2015 Bieber. How would you prefer to die? In my sleep. If you were reincarnated, what would you like to come back as and why? Ooh, a gorilla, because they're, they're big and strong. They're the alphas, they're big. What might prompt you to lie? Uh, I don't think I would, to be honest. I don't like lying. I try and avoid it. I try and avoid it at all costs if I can. That's a, that's a pretty good mantra to have. What makes you hopeful? The future. I try and stay very, very positive in the future. Um, hope it brings success, happiness, and good people. So, yeah, I try and stay positive about the future. What is our purpose in life? To love it, uh, to live it, and to live it in the right way. Be a good person while you're doing it. Regardless of who it is, what would you like to ask our next guest? I'd like to ask them what their what their biggest career accomplishment was or is. What's yours? I think taking the role as a Division One coach is up there. Um, I think when the women at Tennessee Wesleyan, when the women's team made it to the Elite Eight of the national tournament, that was pretty special. Um, and then, yeah, the odd, the odd playing victory here and there as well. Last week, Freeze asked, and I'm paraphrasing here how do you see yourself getting where you want to go i think focus is very important so i think all your actions need to be focused towards it uh, once you get that direction right and you get your goals step-by-step -step goals i think you just execute each one one at a time and you stay motivated and stay with it it's a pretty good plan what's next for you what's what's the no, next no, step no, look no, like no. You don't know yet? No, but I'm looking at um, assistant roles, goalkeeper coaching slash assistant coaching roles on uh, on another soccer program, hopefully uh, in the women's, well, definitely in the women's game, hopefully at Division One level. Well, obviously we don't want to lose you, but it's time for you to go get the next step, go get the next the next big thing. I think so. There's, there's more challenges out there, isn't there? Always. Rushy, I really appreciate you taking a few minutes out of your day today. Appreciate you coming on. Absolutely. Thank you for your time. Thank you.
Thanks to Jack Rushworth for coming on, spending a few minutes with us as spring has slowly begun to turn to summer. But somehow we still have a lot, 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 lot of basketball to talk about. Most significantly, Jordan Adams. Even though the deadline for players to stay in or remove their name from NBA draft consideration is still about a month out, Adams already declaring his intent to return to the Governors for his sophomore campaign. You just love to see that. Love to see that. I really think that this process this year has been difficult because of COVID-19 and the ability to go and actually get in front of people. And I I hope Jordan got what he wanted out of this, which was some good, honest assessment of his talent. I just don't know how much of it you could really get in this environment, in this climate. Yeah, the lack of the combine and workouts, I feel like, is going to deteriorate from the process a little bit. But you should be able to get some feedback from tape and other things. If nothing else, you get a good opportunity to interview and sharpen your skills there. That's an underrated quality as you get older, is just the ability to interview for things. Sure is. In other men's basketball news, do we want to talk... Which which dumb thing that I did this week do we want to talk about first? Let's talk about your dream diary first. We'll round it out with people getting mad online. Okay, all right, so... uh, I've recently been seeing a new therapist who encouraged me to start doing a dream diary. And the reason I've been reticent to do that in the past is I tend to wake up about 15 seconds before I have to be out the door and headed to work. It's not a lot of time for reminiscing about what I dreamed about the night before in the mornings. Clearly don't have that particular problem now. So I hate to your phone in the car. I mean, I have done that. I've actually done that. If I left it upstairs, or if I left the little book that I've been writing in upstairs, I dictated it into my phone. When you're, like, driving, you could get in the car and just dictate it to your phone. Yeah, when I'm driving, the old brain is off. Okay, that's fair. Does, and doesn't that fill all you motorists with confidence? But anyway, I started doing this, and I've been doing it for probably about five weeks now, and uh, I a lot of my dreams tend to feature men's basketball or the sport of basketball in some capacity. A frighteningly large amount of those dreams. To to the point where I'm a little worried about me. You just miss basketball season already. So much. I do miss basketball season. Not enough to be dreaming about it, I don't think. Not enough to just like skip over football and all your fall sports to get to it. It's it's May. I got, we got a lot of time before basketball season comes back into our Quite lives. Quite a bit of time. Yeah, I guess, I guess I do just, I just miss, miss the old shooty hoops. That's fair. The lack of the NBA might be contributing to that. That might be too, although just not getting any sport fix is probably not helping it. The last, last sport I got to observe in person was basketball, so I guess that probably has at least something to do with it. Yeah, that is sad. Hopefully we get to watch some football. I just hope I get to watch something. I'm not I'm not gonna be particular with the sportage returning. Just any anything's gonna be fine. Fanless football would be weird, but I'll take it. 
I'll I'll take I'll take two kids playing one on one in the driveway next door. I don't care. I'll play one on one in the driveway with somebody. You get me an opponent and uh, give me an address, and I'll be down there. Socially distant, of course. Yeah, obviously, it's just a it's essentially just a game of horse because you can't play defense. Wow, you're built for it already. Actually, actually, when I played when I played Parks and Rec basketball back in the day. Oh boy. Oh boy. We we're getting when you let off with that, I was like, we're about to get some real Al Bundy scored four touchdowns in the high school game one time. No, 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 no. No, there was no offense in my basketball game. It was it was grab the board and play defense. Uh, Rodman, you were a Rodman. That's fine. I, I know my role and I did my job. Jack has been playing my son Jack's been playing uh on his mini nerf hoop in the garage and it's gotten to the point now where this is not it's too sophisticated for oh I'm just going to shoot into the hoop now you got to play defense yesterday he used me to set a pick on his mom to spring him around the corner I was just walking and he kind of zoomed by me and I blocked her way and he went for the layup love it we got a point guard we 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 got us a class of 20 34, I think, point guard. He's already got his first star on Rivals. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, twenty thirty-six. Good golly. That's a long time from now. <laughs> yikes. Big yikes. Yeah, big yikes. Speaking of big yikes. Yeah, I made a lot of people. A lot of people mad online. I made a lot of people mad online. Look, I I'll own it just because I wrote it. I mean, it wasn't just my idea, the men's basketball greatest govs. But I guess the the true crux of the issue seems to be that Trenton Hassel, who I are voting, registered as the fourth greatest gov in the 80-year history of Austin P. basketball, which is good. Feels like, feels like it's good. Got a number on the wall. You got... Fourth best in program history. Like, huh? all right. The the three ahead of him, two you can identify by one name, and the third is going to be, unless Terry Taylor stays in the NBA draft, is going to be the first player in program history with two thousand points and one thousand rebounds. One of five in the OVC. I mean, they get mad. They can get mad at me. I had Terry at number one on my list. I did think about throwing you under the bus, but since you've doxxed yourself here, every, send those sternly worded emails to Casey. Right here. I had Terry Taylor at number one, you people. Come talk to me about it. And there's no way to necessarily argue against that. I Obviously, the, the feather in his cap would be a title. But, I mean, so much is in play for him. Next, He could be the, the second guy to get two... Uh, OVC Player of the Year honors, be the only one to get four first-team All-OVC honors, the aforementioned 2000-1000, which is just, we had a lot of good players in the OVC. I mean, there there is a faction of people who will say, you need to have a title. It's not like they haven't been in the hunt. Those people are wrong. Well, it's also not like they haven't been in the hunt. I mean, reasonably speaking, any other year, I think the team that they had as in Terry's sophomore year, wins a title. 
in a year that doesn't feature Ja Morant and Dylan freaking Windler. Let's let's talk about Casey at the beach. We'll be there. Social distancing at the beach. Thumbing your nose at coronavirus. Yeah. I guess so. You're braver than I am. I'll just I'll stay in the house. House is good. Yeah, I'm gonna stay stay isolated at my beach house. You know, I guess if I liked the beach more, I would feel envious. If you said you were going to like a chalet in the mountains, that'd be pretty cool. That'd be fun too. I'm just not a beach person. We've had this discussion. Everybody thinks I'm wrong, and that's fine. Maybe I am wrong. No, I see both sides of it. I like I like the beach, but then I can see why people wouldn't like the beach. Sand gets everywhere. I don't like having sand everywhere. Yeah, that's that's one of the problems. Also, I'm fat. I don't like to sweat. That's a thing that happens at the beach a lot. I like the food at the beach. I like the fresh, the fresh fish. Fresh fish is good. You go buy that at the market and just cook it up at the house. That's that's the best. Mm, I want to have shrimp tonight now. What kind of shrimp are you going to make? Probably fried tonight, but... Have you tried any more uh, cooking since our last cooking talk? No. Uh... The, the, cor- the hash. The hash. Oh, God. Have you tried to remake the hash? No, no, no. That's That, that tasted like pure evil. <laughs> so no, no cooking since... What kind of hash was it? It was Mexican hash. Mexican hash. It was... Sounds like a drug. Well, I mean, that is, that is 100% a street name for some kind of drug, but... No, I did make... I made a... I did make a shrimp and grits last week, and they were pretty good. Did you fry those shrimp, or did you grill them up? Grill them. What do you fry your shrimp in? Like, you're going to bread it like, in cornmeal, or like breadcrumbs, or... A box from the store... Oh, you buy you buy shrimp, okay. Yeah, I'm not frying. I'm not, like, deep-frying shrimp. I bought some frozen shrimp one time and breaded them in some cornmeal and fried them. The shrimp grits weren't bad. There's a nice little saute. The bacon got a little too crisp for my liking, but overall it's pretty good. Oh, you don't like crispy bacon? I I like crispy bacon in stuff, but this was a little too much. I want my bacon to, like, just turn into dust when I bite. I want it to be, like, black. Oh, you'd have enjoyed this, then. That's good. That's good bacon. Do a pick for the uh, Tiger Phil Mickelson Peyton Brady match, the golf match. Did we talk about this yet? Yeah, we talked about it. Oh, yeah. I believe I, I was correct. I called that Brady and uh, our Woods and Manning were favorites in Vegas. Okay. When are they playing it again? Uh, like the t- next week, I think. All right. Well, well, we will see how wrong you are next week, then, sir. Um. We will not, because the greatest golfer in the world will be teamed up with Peyton Manning. We'll see how that goes for him. It'll go well. It'll go very well. Um, usually this is a point in our broadcast where we implore you to go do some community service things. Uh, there are ample opportunities to do some good in your community now. Uh, just do it safely and tell Haley Meyer about it so she can log in and you can earn your GoFiscope points for next year. Um other than that, get in touch and stay in touch with us via web and social media. Casey, how do they do that? You can follow us on Twitter and Instagram at Let's Go P, or you can follow along on our Facebook account called Austin P. Governors. Let's Go P.com for dates, news, and stories. Casey, Cody Bush, and myself over there. Something new every day. We've, we've made it, sort of, ish. Kind of. It happened. It, it does happen.
Find us on iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher, Spotify, or directly on the website at letsgop.com slash podcast. Give us a rating and review on the podcast, five stars, five stars. And if you'd like to suggest a guest, let us know of a local or on-campus event we should shout out. Sign up to be in the Casa de Casey and Remy for next year. Tweet at us. I'm at CWilson225. He's at C underscore Craig19. Love yourself, love each other. Talk to you next week. Goodbye. Up all night, 